reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turn. Alright, we're starting. We're getting going. This is the North 40 Report with Josh, that is me, and Jason. That is me. And today we got special guest Caleb. How you guys doing? Now, uh, we decided to start this podcast. Why, Jason? Why did we, why did we start a podcast? Well, there's not a lot of good racing podcasts out there. Uh, not especially not dedicated to like open wheel and some of the other stuff other than NASCAR. No, I would say not. No, Jason and I we have uh, we've got some experience working in the industry, and we figured uh, there's a lot of people that that work in the industry that've got good stories to tell, and they're not being heard. Or they're being heard by too few people. We like hearing from uh, from drivers a lot, but sometimes there's crew chiefs. Sometimes there's mechanics that have really crazy stories and funny stories that. Well, some of the other side of, of racing. The other you side. You only of see it. one right. perspective. Yeah. The fans only see one side of things, and mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. just every story. There's two sides going along there, which uh, is why we're glad to have Caleb here because he's you know, yes. He fits yes. into that mold. Yes, another young young buck who is uh, kicking ass, taking names, uh, and still lives with his parents. So gotta live that drag racing dream, man. Mm-hmm. He is he is the team manager for Cruz Pedregon Racing, correct? That is correct. I am uh, the team and general manager of Cruz Pedregon Racing. Cruz Pedregon, two-time NHRA Funny Car World Champion. Um, is he the Q Pedregon or the Pudgy Pedregon? Well, there's actually three Petragons. Three, okay. Um, there is a uh, smaller Petragon Tony. There is a medium-sized Petragon Frank. And the bigger one is Cruz. I know when I was in college and growing up, I would have loved to hear more stories about young kids who are actually working in the series and not just young kids who can't find a job. So, uh yeah, we're going to hear about your story a little bit later. But yeah. first, we're going to talk about some uh, open wheel news. At uh, what the new those new renderings came out from the new the new, uh, uh, they the did. new drafts. They did. We're going to get rid of body kits. Body kits that were so important to have on these cars three years ago. Now, now no one wants them. Well, it'll still be there. It'll just be a universal kit for everybody. Which, uh, based on the renderings, now it's looking in. Everybody seems to be really excited about them. I like uh, getting rid of the unnecessary air yes. scoop, um, unnecessary flaps and yep. bulges, and and the so-called sponsor blocker. That, sponsor uh, blocker, yeah, going to be gone. So that'll be nice. Um, you know, and you've got the new cars coming in the lower feeder series as well. The the road to Indy. Yes, yes. I'm actually really excited about seeing those because they all look really cool. Absolutely, absolutely. We know we had the uh, the debut of the new Indy Lights car. It's drawn a lot, a lot of praise for the technology it's got, and of course now you've got the USF 2000 tubs and cars coming out, and they sold all 35 cars that were allotted, which is a good sign. Very good, very ne- good sign. Next year you'll get the Pro Mazda, uh, which should draw a lot more interest with them, and you know of course the big advantage with with that is. You'll be able to take the tub from your USF 2000 car and use it in the Pro Mazda series, which yeah, cuts down on costs. And let's let's be honest, that's that's what drives you in racing is cost. Uh, that's why teams disappear. It's I still predict though, Junkos will still have half of the Star Mazda field with four <laughs> mechanics on six cars. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's very well possible. Uh, it's cheaper that way. It is. It is. You know, and, and I haven't seen. I I'd, I'd kind of looked and seen. There's not a lot of announcements, you know, for teams and drivers uh, so far. Well, I wouldn't say necessarily teams, but the drivers. There's not a lot of the uh, little guys that are announced yet. But obviously, as we draw closer in the season, mobile. What do you think uh, the car count for the light series is going to be? <clears throat> light series probably. I don't know what anywhere between eleven and fifteen every race. I mean, 
which Gosh, they need to start picking. Last year they only had about what twelve or thirteen. Yeah, a lot of but races. Was it eight of those guys were championship contenders at one point? Mm-hmm. I know Stoneman. He won the two Indy races in May, and I think one more. But those were the only things that he really showed anything at. And gosh, Sean Rahal, he raced the last couple races, and in a part-time gig, he he's performed pretty well for. Last year, he was in the Delta Wing car for I think his full-time ride, and but yeah, two years ago is when he had his breakout. I think, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wonder some of those guys they spent all their money. Have they spent all their money so now they can't run lights anymore? And that's it. You can you know, you're only your budget will only take you so far. Uh, unfortunately. And the running joke in racing is how do you make a small fortune? You start off with a large one. Start off with a large one. Because um, it is not cheap. And I'm sure the drag racing stuff as well, you've got Budgets and it's you know a lot of the same. It's everything is budget driven. I, I I think I'd look for the the Pro Mazda series to grow in car count. You know for next year when the new cars. Yes, that one come was out. only around nine to nine to twelve cars. There weren't a lot. Races. Yeah, and there's not. I haven't really seen any new teams necessarily coming out too much. You've got you know um, you know the Cape Motorsports with Wayne Taylor Racing, Junkos. Uh, now you do have the leading edge uh, motorsports. They did just get announced uh, that they're going to have new teams are always uh, good. Team. They're based in Brownsburg. They're right here in the business park back there as well. Uh, probably by your shop. Uh, yep, they were right down the street from us. Yep, um, Pelfrey. They're moving. They just moved to uh, uh, Zionsville, or they're in the process of moving to Zionsville from down in Florida. They're going to have uh, Thomas Knapp's actually going to be involved with that. Really? Uh, yeah. So, um, that's kind of an interesting move. Um, then, of course, you got, like, World Speed Motorsports. I mean, those are the only teams that I can solidly uh, think of in uh, Pro Mazda this year that are going to be there. So, But new teams, more car counts, new cars. When all three series have their new cars, that should be good. Yeah, it'll be good for the series, have all the technology, have cars that compete with some of the other other series around the world and especially in Europe that's I think that's kind of the key yeah, uh, yeah at least in getting some interest you know with drivers that want to drive those cars uh, and of course light series you got Colton Herta moving up that's that's kind of a, a nice thing to see like another legacy and Davey Hamilton's son last year he was he ran the last the race at Mazda Raceway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's he's been testing in his Indy Lights car. I have seen because we uh, we've been working closely with Royal Purple over the off season, and mm. I've got to meet got to meet uh, Davy Hamilton, senior and junior. So I think he's going to try to. What he's told me, what I've heard is he's going to try to run a full Indy Lights season. And he doesn't come really from a background that gives him a lot of road course experience he's he's not ever really run i know what last season when they were running in one of the old lights cars out out west they were just running laps and laps and laps just trying to get him used to running on the road courses Mm -hmm. he was uh he was definitely one of those cars that all the 10 cars go by and then yeah he goes but (laughs) everyone knew and he even stated from the get-go that he was just getting seat time sure getting used to the car used to road course and he did fine he didn't have any he didn't have too many uh, offs or anything, and he kept it clean. That's all they were wanting that weekend. So, sure. It's interesting that you know, and when you see guys that don't have that that whole background, that come into a series and try to run, that's primarily on that. There's definitely uh, a learning curve, especially to do it in some of the bigger cars instead of you know going like the lower ranks of like go karts and some of the other vehicles it's uh, kind of a big deal uh, IndyCar um, you know you've got what 21 cars that are expected to be full time um, yes, you might solid. see 22 if KV can pull something together KV situation right yeah and there's you know the the paying jobs in IndyCar the reality is <coughs> that which I think KV tried to emulate or, or copy the last couple of years but their ride buyers didn't end up buying 
or having checks that went through. Might have not, you know, and through it, now sure. they're, uh, they may or may not be having a, uh, a, a garage sale going on this weekend. It's possible. I don't know. Uh, the news came out either today or yesterday that former F1 driver Pastor Maldonado was looking at running with a team on the road and street courses. That would be an interesting name to come to the series. Um, it's a bit of a wild card. I'll, uh, you know, your your EJ Visos and Mario Marias's and Takuma Sato's and that he's a go-for-it kind of driver. Like, Didn't you know, he win an F1 race at one What, 2012 in Spain, he I was, think? Yeah, was, he, was, uh, he was like he the golden it. boy for, was it Williams at the time? It was Williams, yeah. It was Williams Martini. And, uh, and he is. He's kind of one of those drivers that he's a younger guy that will just go for it, you know, and sometimes that'll... That'll take you out of a race. You'll stick a car into a hole that's not quite big enough, and that happens. But if he comes to IndyCar, I would see him being just like Stefano Coletti or someone who they come in with a whole bunch of confidence in the first couple races. Since F1 cars and cars, you have to drive it completely different. Mm-hmm. And they think that, that ovals are going to be the hard part and road courses are going to be the easy part. Well, they don't have to relearn an oval because they've never driven an oval to begin with. And they have to relearn. And Stefano Coletti, I know he's a good driver and everything, but he just, he never got his confidence. Never even sniffed the top 15 or something after that. And I remember Enrique Bernoldi when he came in like that, obviously it was with Conquest road courses and he didn't do anything he did not it's... seem to really ever run up front now Stefano Coletti showed some promise and then uh, he just kind of he did he just kind of dropped off uh, and disappeared and nobody ever saw him again now I think I don't know I feel like Maldonado has got he's shown he can be a fast driver in those cars um, a Robert Dornboss do you think he'd be someone <laughs> <laughs> What is he doing nowadays? I don't I, even know. Is he running probably one of the, I don't know, maybe the WEC or something like that? I have no idea. I, I really don't know where he's at. Um, probably living with mom and dad. It's also very well Speaking possible. of that, Caleb. There's, there's how, absolutely nothing wrong with that. <laughs> he's saving money. I am saving money, yes. I'm on the road 228 days a year, so I'm barely here anyway. Which makes sense. Now, uh, a lot of changes in IndyCar this year. Um, yes. Between the schedule, the, the teams themselves. I mean, The schedule. How do you like the schedule? I mean, you know, it's it a little bit longer. It pretty much didn't change that much. They added Gateway. Yeah, you had a Gateway, but like... Oh, do I have... You extended out a gateway. little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Which, who's excited about that? Yeah. Everyone yeah. on track for them. Of course they are. I, you know, and there's nothing against that. It's, it's an oval, but it is... It's an oval. It is an oval. worst it oval. Is. It is the worst oval that w- they could have. I would added. like to see. Uh, yeah, I do have other choices that would be before that, but um, I will take it. You know, any way I can get it. If um, they get a crowd there to show up, then I'll be happy. But they're not going to have a good race there. Now it is interesting. You will have uh, Indy Lights at Gateway as well as uh, Pro Mazda there with them that weekend. That's, that's right. That's right. That's, that's going to be kind of interesting, I think. Um, and lights, you know, you're going to have. Three ovals because of that, uh, you know, with the the Freedom One Hundred, and they're at Iowa, which I think is a great track for them. Yes, and yes, then that uh, is a great track for the again cars. running at Gateway. And then uh, you know it, it is interesting that the USF Two Thousand series they go to Iowa, but the Pro Mazda t- series does not. I think that's kind of an interesting uh, thing. It might as well just have all of them. I mean, I guess if it doesn't make sense, if you don't have a high enough car count, it doesn't. You know, um, not high enough car count in. The drivers at that age are so afraid, especially at that track, because with those cars, Iowa is like Daytona mm-hmm. for them. And so all these, when when I was well, working at that level, be. they all the kids were afraid of crashing and wasting all their money. Sure. Because if you crash on that track, you're tubbing it, basically. Oh, yeah. Ovals, ovals create a lot of damage very, very quickly in the bills. That's how, where you get those unpaid bills that uh, pop up and drivers disappear. Yes, but usually those races end up being 
everyone's too afraid to crash, mm-hmm. so they all behave themselves. Right, yeah. And you see them spread out. And, and as soon as they else. go to the, the Toronto road course, they end up uh, tubbing three cars. But the ovals that they're all afraid of crashing, they, they never touch. They never do anything. Well, ideally, you're not, you're not really going to touch anyway. So, yeah, you should be afraid. Well, ideally, yes. To have that happen. So, but... um. You know, it is, it's it's good to see more ovals on the schedule, even if it is Gateway. I'll yes. still take it. Yes. Um, I do like the Poconos of the world. Uh, I wish we were still Pocono. at, like, California. Um, yeah. You know, that would be nice to have. I wish we were still at Chicago and Michigan. Absolutely. I think Chicago is probably one of the top two on my list of places I would like to be. Um, you know, now that road, I, I love Road America. I'm glad to see it back on the schedule. Um, yes, that's... That in mid Ohio, those two tracks go against the the uh, the knowledge of oh we'll have these street course races in downtown so people will have to show up because no one wants to go to our series you know if it's in the middle of nowhere but you've got these tracks that have heritage and history and they don't have any problem attracting crowds that. At, that was the biggest crowd that they've seen in at Elkhart Lake in years. Mm-hmm. And Mid-Ohio is always packed for the IndyCar races. And it's a nice, it's kind of an out-in-the-middle-of-nowhere facility, but it's a nice track. And, yeah, they both are. You know, a lot of good vantage points to watch the races from. That's um, good. And, it, you know, it, kind of on the other side of Chicago is, are you... You know, muddying the waters too much by having another race in the Midwest. It's the same thing versus Kentucky. Are you taking fans away from? But that's where the fans other are. Other tracks. That's where the fans are. Sure, the Midwest is the heart. You know, yeah, in Indianapolis especially, this is the epicenter, and this is where I don't it's hear. Popular. I don't hear NASCAR going. I don't. Darlington's too close to Talladega and all that. I mean. I personally, do, yeah, I don't think that you're pulling away fans because you know I'm, I'm at least you know from my perspective, I'm gonna go to the 500 no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I have another race, you know, I, I love going to Mid Ohio. It's within a you know four or five hours. Mm-hmm. Gateway, it's also within four or five hours here. Yeah, I'm going to Gateway. Sh- you know, Chicago, uh, three hour drive there. Kentucky, hour and a half, two hours, and you're down there. I don't mm-hmm. mind going to all those races. They're all, uh, they all offer their own. You know pros and cons, and uh, I like the way Kentucky is always laid out. I like the Chicago land; you can see all the way around those tracks. You know, everything offers something a little Kentucky bit. Kentucky was great, especially those years where Marlboro was giving away all those tickets, and <laughs> the fan all when it when it had a packed crowd. Traffic is awful at that track, but those always put on the best races. Which I have not been to the the NASCAR races recently oh. there, so I don't know what the parking situation is like now. I know they've said that they've improved it a little bit, but I, I really don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I flow don't wise, know. not yeah. that that's really. Relevant. I remember watching those YouTube videos of people parking on on the interstate five miles outside of the track. That first mm-hmm. NASCAR race was there. Sure, absolutely. Anyone who had been to an IndyCar race could have told the the administration that that was going to happen. You didn't improve the parking at all, but you added 20,000 seats. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's, that's the way it works. A lot of driver changes. There are a lot of driver changes. Um, I think the most important one, at least the biggest one, is Joseph Newgarden that, moving on to that hurt me. a new team. It, and, and it is. I, I, you know, I mean, I like I'm, ha- pulling for I'm happy and, for him, obviously, but it's like you like the little you like the the David fighting Goliath every once in a while absolutely and I think a lot of people can get on board with that um, and Goliath just ate David <laughs> it's, it's, it's true Goliath you know. just ate David and now he's got a third arm <laughs> so the good news is you do have some deserving drivers that are still with Ed Carpenter racing you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this week was announced you know Spencer Pickett Spencer Pickett gonna be Hildebrand and J.R. Hildebrand obviously coming back on full time uh, been quite some time since he's gotten a shot and I think he kind of got a bad rap there uh, you know toward the end of his last run and, and he's done really well with, with Ed's team you run over the back of someone during a yellow that that tends to give you a bad rap but I think that whole team situation was probably just 
falling apart. Well, you knew it was inevitable anyway. that they would get kind of plucked at some point, mm-hmm. and uh, so to speak. And, and they've gone through a lot of crew changes and everything. It'll be interesting to see where they're at. They still have the Chevy behind them, and you know they're, you know, on the oval. Zed's team has always had it together. Um, you know, and they've always. been able to put some good performances together. Except Ed the last year, Ed. He had a rough year. There were races where he was running really well, and things did not go was his way. Was his car pork chop? Was it, his, does know, it Ed like have it the new pork chop? <laughs> it's if, the way it seemed. For anybody listening that doesn't remember what pork chop was, when Simona Di Silvestro, her last year in IndyCar, at the beginning of the year, she had a great car. She ended up toasting that one in practice at Indy, and their backup car was not as fast and a lot, fat, a lot, lot heavier, heavier lot a lot heavier. heavier so they called it pork chop and i don't know i assume that it's what was been happening with ed's car the last couple of weeks cause that wasn't that the part of the car that flipped up uh two years ago but he crashed it he crashed it in qualifying once yeah and, that's true yeah mm-hmm. and he crashed it a bunch uh who's the italian driver that was his road course specialist uh, Luca, um, Luca Felipe, he he crashed a bunch in that tub. So I'm assuming that might have he might have been driving a pork chop the last couple of years. Now, and you know, and just thinking on that, isn't it uh, is pork chop the Lazier car that they've got? Is that pork chop? Well, no, because that was pork chop was the old chassis. It was. It was. I guess. Yeah. I guess. It was the right. old Bellara. Yeah, what is that? The the Lazier's the Lazier yeah the Lazier's own. Uh, I don't even think they own a Delara. I think that's <laughs> something else. They own one of the new cars. Because it wasn't back in the storage. Yeah, supposedly I, you would I never know think, it by how fast they're running. I it's probably uh, plaster of Paris or something. <laughs> that's not a. I think it's tucked away into his home for the. Uh, it is it every is. month except for May. DVD always posts. Always posts uh, putting the car away. Putting away, sure. It's like un- behind like a little plaster mm-hmm. wall. It is kind it's of like drywall. tucked away. Absolutely. Like, like the Back to the Future car mm-hmm. in uh, Back to the Future 3. They like just kind of tuck it away. Yep. Put it yep. behind yep. some drywall. We'll store it out, yep. <coughs> kind of like where uh, one of the White's cars that I think Alan Sir the Third was supposed to run at Milwaukee one year. It just kind of disappeared into a... Uh, Alan Sir the Third. Yeah, it disappeared into uh, somebody's garage. Just out. Just out. One of those. Now, uh, yeah, no, now kind of, we kind of got off track going back to the team changes and everything. Obviously, Penske's got a pretty <laughs> potent staff yes. on hand. Um, and Montoya's just going to be Indy only. Correct. Yeah, is that, he, uh, he will I'm be running Indy. I assume that's road course Indy too. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I have no idea. Um, you're right. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really seen, but uh, hey, if he does, it's all for the better. Uh, I still like seeing Montoya running out there. It didn't seem like he cared that much last year. Yeah, I mean, he's getting towards the end of his career. I mean, know. yeah, I understood it. He's old. He he won the 500 <laughs> two years ago, so. But he, you know, he, and he really did seem like he had the drive. But yeah, uh, you know, at least when you hear him talk, but uh, the passion just doesn't seem to be there. Mm-hmm. Of course, Ganassi. You got Ganassi switching over to Honda uh, from the Chevys. That's a, that's a weird move. It, it is a little bit interesting, um, but it gives Honda another, you know, uh, a bullet in the chamber to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. go after it. And you've got the same lineup coming back from last year, uh, which will be interesting. And you know, it's always a period of adjustment when you switch manufacturers because ride heights, balances, everything, everything is different for the Honda versus the Chevy, so. It almost makes it seem like they, they gotta know something. They gotta know something is, 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 is up for this year with the Hondas. Well, yeah, I mean, they're gonna have to, you'd figure that they're gonna have a comeback year, you know, based on how last year had kind of gone. Um, then, of course, you got Andretti, uh, which they announced also that uh, with Rossi, that Napa's going to Yeah, Rossi's have with a bigger, Napa. That's, yep. that's a good deal. They're going to be co-primary sponsor. They're going to be on the car for, I think, seven races. So we'll get to see them a lot more. And than Sato back with them. Yeah, he got Sato. Uh, he is a good driver. With Andretti, he is. And he's one of, we touched on it earlier with the Pastor Maldonados of the world. He's kind of a guy that'll just go for it. And look at India a couple of years ago and 
just dove into turn one. He knew. He knew it wasn't going to work. He would have won if he would have waited. Just he, if he would have waited for the backstretch, he would have won. And plain and simple, he we screwed can debate up. that all we want. You know, you never know. He screwed up. Absolutely, absolutely. Of course, Dale Coyne. They uh, made some big moves this year by, you know, going through and announcing uh, their drivers way before spring training. That's like right. Breaking precedent. That's right. Usually, it's like uh, Friday of uh, the Friday before their first race. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and and they've got a good lineup this year too. You know, bringing Seabass back and uh, having having Bourdais. <laughs> Come back in the car, and then you've got Ed Jones joining him up from Indy Lights. That's so right. I think Bring that's that a good run for him. Ed, Ed Jones is no slouch, so it'll be interesting to see how how they compete. What's the scholarship pay for? Is it just the three races in Indy, or do they have like a actual amount? I think it's a certain number, and I think it's either three races or Indy. I don't know exactly uh, the detail. It's I'm hazy on it. I'm not a not updated. Ed Jones and Sebastian well, Bourdais. Happened. That's going to be a weird. Uh, that'll be a weird combination for the beginning. Sure, but two two talented drivers, you know, and I, it'll be interesting to see what. And Coin has always got something up his sleeve. So, Foyt. Yep, Foyt. Which, well, I was going to bring that up next. Card. I know you that were is a wild card. to talk about it. Because who is the who? Who did Foyt just get rid of? Well, they got rid of Hawksworth and, Hawksworth. and Sato. The Hawksworth story where he lambasted that team. He and, did. He did. And, and they have, but, you know, they have changed some things in the offseason, supposedly. And obviously, the move to Chevy from Honda became official this week. Um, yeah, that's also so that's, a big deal. You know, that yes. was on Monday. And um, so there's a lot of changes involved. And with that, you know, one of the teams I know is going to be based in Speedway. The other one's going to be based back down in Texas. The two young, popular, good drivers for the Foyt team where they can actually, they might be relevant. Right. That's absolutely. And that's, I would love to see. That's what, like, the first practice session of the year, what up. I'm going to be looking at is if they're relevant. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, then, of course, uh, Schmidt-Peterson, you've got uh, Hinch. Um, Aloshan hasn't man. been announced yet, so who knows if he's actually going to be returning or not. Um, I've heard all indications were that that was the case, but, you know, no word. Maybe all of his sponsorship money went to elect Trump this year. That's, that, that is could possible. Have been... That is absolutely possible. Um, because that's what... Apparently Russia did. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, then you've got um, Rahul Letterman. You know, Graham Rahul back, and then adding Oriel Servia for part-time ride. Going to run Indy, and what, they're working on other races, so that'll be interesting. I always like Oriel Servia. He's... See, I always see him as that, that blah. Like Alex Barron. If, if, if Oriel Servia ever won a race... The guy sitting next to you go, wait, who is the guy that just won? Like, they mm-hmm. wouldn't, he wouldn't have any idea who he is. He doesn't push the sport forward. That's true. Know. That's that, true. I, that may be blasphemy. I have never seen an Oriole Serbia shirt. No, you really haven't. And marketability is a big thing where your hinges and your Connor Dailies, you need to really push these guys to um, yes. get their names out there. You need them to win. You need them to succeed, to grow the sport. And we'll dive into the teams a little bit more, all the changes. Um, we still we got a couple months before the beginning of the season. We're just kind of going through Absolutely. things that that are really interesting right now. Yeah, which there's a lot of changes, a lot to go over. Um, we'll cover yeah cover that more in depth in the coming coming weeks. Um, you know, obviously you you're making a trip down to the the 24 hours here coming up. Yeah, the Rolex Daytona. Um, yeah, we we won't spend too much time talking about uh, uh, the road course stuff, but um, well, it's the weather, you know, the weather tech series. The weather tech series, <laughs> but uh, um, they do have a lot of exciting changes coming this year. Uh, a lot of new additions. Uh, the whole prototype uh, divisions, all those changes, and those cars look sexy as hell. Uh, with Cadillac, Cadillac in there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the new Mazda prototype, and Sage Caram Lexus, the, Lexus. the new Lexus team, yeah, it was Lexus. the GT stuff, and uh, was it AMG Mercedes having a team in there, and two Acura teams in there. I mean, it's 
Like, that's where all the car uh, manufacturers seem to be going right now. And I never really followed much of the WeatherTech series because those old Daytona prototype cars are ugly as crap. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't stand that. But what I enjoy about that racing is all the different sounds. Like, each engine, Absolutely. the Ford GTs have the different sound than the Corvettes, than the BMWs, than all that stuff. And you can tell which car is going by just by the sound of it. And... IndyCar used to be like that. Back in the 90s with the Buicks. Your Chevy's. Yeah, they had that off sound. You know, Absolutely. They had a different crank. It was uh, made things interesting. It was distinguishable. Um, which is what you like to have. I don't know. It, I like that. And the cars look, look cool. Mm-hmm. The cars look cool. Absolutely. Not and now, something that I could ever afford to drive. but <laughs> Sure. Which... That's all right, though. Uh, still fun to look at. There is a big, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of good drivers in the series. Hinchcliffe um, is on the Mazda team absolutely. for that race. Yeah, is what in the uh, Tom Long mm-hmm. machine partnering up with them. Uh, got a lot of good, a lot of good drivers, a lot of good talent, a lot of IndyCar, uh, a lot of IndyCar veterans, F one, a couple of NASCAR yeah, guys, yeah, some F one guys. Uh, other, you know, your other series. Uh, the great Scott Mayer, he's running. He's uh, paired up the with... The great Scott Mayer. He, he's partnered up with Sebastian Saavedra. Wow. Um, one of the cars. Um, Just two all-American guys. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, like he, and then you got like the likes of Gustavo Yakuman. Uh, good times oh, with him crepes, back in the day. Crepes and... <laughs> crepes and waffles. Crepes and waffles, the crepes yes. Crepes and waffles special. Crepes and waffles special. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. Oh, and he is a nice guy, though. There, he is a nice guy. I'm sure he is. <laughs> um, to sell crepes and waffles, you'd have to be. I'm sure. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's going to be an exciting... Uh, it's going to be an exciting year. You know, and of course you got the... You know, the Chip Ganassi's 8 million cars... Yes. Running at the the UK and the, the yeah the UK and the WeatherTech team. Uh, yeah, Tony Kanaan, that's kind of exciting for him to get to realize his his dream. He wanted to run with uh, the Ford GT in the race, and so he's going oh, to do right. that. That's right. He's going to be. Uh, be exciting. Those. Yep, and uh, and we'll cover kind of uh, you know the how the results of that come. Um, you know, after after it's all said and done, and give us a breakdown. It's a fun race to watch. Anything can happen, you know, and it's it's. I've never time been there, again. but I'm excited to go there just to sit in the middle of the track and sure. hopefully, see, like at night, and see hopefully because it's so high banked and everything. Absolutely, just see everything all night long, and yeah, there are not a lot of people that sit in the stands, but that infield is going to be crazy nuts mm-hmm. and they love it it's a good race it's a good time it's you know what i enjoy watching it on tv too but yeah mm-hmm. yeah seeing mm-hmm. it in person obviously obviously going to the racetrack gives you a whole different perspective and different experience so it'll be it'll be a good time and you've got what the continental uh and it's the st- tire it's series like the the start of the racing racing season it's mm-hmm. like the it's the kickoff every, it's it the is. kickoff yeah absolutely because uh, then you got the Daytona 500 after that, and everything gets, you know, takes off from there. Mm-hmm. So. I wish that was a good race to watch. Still. And you got drag racing starting up here. <laughs> and drag soon. racing is starting up up here. Drag yeah. racing is starting up soon. Yes, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll lead that into you, Caleb. Um, let's see, your this is going to be your third, fourth, fifth, fifth. Good gracious! I know. Fifth season. Tell us, uh, like, your interest in racing growing up and how you actually got this this gig specifically. Because you're a young kid to be, uh, like, a team manager. Yeah. And, and first off, who are you? Where where? Yes, yeah, so let's remind them who you are so, and what you're doing. So, my name's Caleb Cox. I'm the team manager and general manager of Cruise Petrogon Racing. Um, grew up, was born and raised in Brownsburg, Indiana. Uh, went to Brownsburg High School. Mm-hmm. Um, Went to Indiana State University, go Sycamores. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was a uh, Division One linebacker there at Indiana State, and then uh, my passion throughout growing up was football. I had been uh, parents and grandparents had been season ticket holders to the Colts since 1984. And I think uh, if you live in Brownsburg, it's mandatory that if you're male, you try out for the football team. Is that? 
I heard that as a rumor. No, it's the baseball team. If you remember right, Brownsburg had two teams right. that went to the World Series. Yeah, the Little League the World, World, Series. World Series. The Drew Storians Drew and Lens, the Drew Lens of the world. Yes. Yes, and I, I know a lot of those guys that are still playing in the MLB right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I was a football player, born and bred. Um, my ultimate goal was to, to play in the NFL and... Division one college football is about as far as I got. I did get to have a pro day in front of uh, four NFL teams, so that was that was fun. But I still needed to uh, graduate. So to graduate with a degree in sports management, I needed an internship, and I wanted to be somewhere in the football front office, anywhere in the football front office. So I looked at NFL teams, at CFL teams, at AFL teams. Nobody, nothing. So, my dad is a is a huge drag racing fan. I, he's been to the U.S. Nationals probably for the last forty years. Um, he's been going there since nineteen seventy five, I think. And growing up, I'd been to a couple Indy five hundreds. So I've been to the U.S. Nationals probably a handful of times and and watched drag racing with dad on TV. So dad had the idea of just send your resume over there, see see what happens. So all the big nitro teams, except for uh, Coletta Motorsports, is in Brownsburg. So you got John Force Racing. They're all like within that. You have miles for the there. for the IndyCar guys. You have Gasoline Alley and Speedway. Mm-hmm. For here in Brownsburg, we call it Nitro Alley because mm-hmm. we're all right here. You got the Don Schumacher Racing. You got uh, uh, John Force Racing. You have uh, the now defunct. Lucas Oil Racing, um, Cruz Petragon, Tony Petragon, uh, Bob Vandergriff, a, a good amount of Nitro teams. So I just passed my, my resume around and uh, didn't hear anything, so I got a job at the local Lowe's, and I was uh, shoveling mulch and, and rocks 12 hours a day. Nice. Um, got a call about a month into that, said uh, the assistant team manager that went on the road with Cruz was having a baby and they needed somebody to fill in. So from uh, May of 13 to November of 13, um, I got to go out, travel with the team, um, did, I believe it was 12 races, and I was still going to school at the time. So I would, I would, I was living at home, so I would drive from... You still do. Which I still do, <laughs> which I still do, and... As a drag racer, everyone... It makes sense. It, it makes it, sense. It makes total sense. Um, I was driving from Brownsburg to Terre Haute, which is 75 miles, on Monday and Wednesday. I would get in a plane on Thursday, work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and either get on a plane Sunday night or early Monday morning to go right back to school. So... Sometimes I would show up to class covered in clutch dust and oil and get on a plane, but sometimes I had a trophy in my hand, and mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. worth it. So after six months of doing that, um, I got my internship done, uh, graduated from Indiana State, and I got my dream job, which was to be a sports agent. Because growing up, as you know, I was a big fan of Drew Rosenhaus. Mm. Drew Rosenhaus. Oh, too big of a fan. Drew Rosenhaus was my boy. Anything about Jerry Maguire, anything about football contracts, that's that's what I wanted. So here, I got a job in downtown Indianapolis that that represented a good handful of, of some good NFL players, some basketball players, and and some coaches. And I'm there for... I don't know, uh, a week or so, and I'm sitting at a desk, and and like 13 hours into it, into the first day, I'm like, all right, this is okay. Second day, I'm like, oh man, this is kind of stupid. And some things have been happening that you don't see until you're actually inside this world, and it's just like, man, this doesn't sit well with me. But out of the blue, I got a call from Cruz. Hey man, we're going to go to uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, and go testing. You want to go? Well, just like that. Just like that. Well, you think Indiana in mid-January or West Palm Beach, Florida in mid-January? That's that's kind of find <coughs> me up. <clears throat> so went down there with Cruz. It was actually very uncommonly cold. I think all five days we were down there, it was no higher than forty-five degrees. 
Oh, it's down there. <coughs> they were probably nestled up. Oh, it was huge the, bundle coats. The, yeah, the winter apocalypse. So um, that you, re- yeah. Mm-hmm. I think after I think we made four or five runs in five days, and I don't think the car made it half track or whatever. So it was kind of unsuccessful uh, preseason test. But Cruz pulls me aside and. Says, now, were you actually like wrenching and stuff on the car at that point, or were you doing other duties? I was, I was more helping out crews than was wrenching on the car. I was mm-hmm. still really, really new, but still been around it enough, and and being being an athlete so long, I can watch things over and over, and then just simultaneously pick it up. Mm-hmm. Cruz pulls me aside and says, um, "My team manager is, is leaving the race team." Um, how would you feel about, I don't know, stepping into that role? The first thought in my mind was you're handing over a, a multi-million dollar race team to a 22-year-old kid. Yes, but you had played uh, Division One college football, so that perfectly aligns with yeah, that, drag racing, that, right? That, that happens it's all every, relative, absolutely. Right? Yeah, there are like engineering, mechanical engineering kids that are pulling their hair right now if they're listening to this, like, that's all I had to do. But <laughs> exactly, um, but yeah, it, it worked out that way. And I did an interview with, with Drag Illustrated not too long ago, and I think the best way I can put it is it, it's now been about five years, and I've yet to crash it. So we still have a race team. We That's still have good. we still have great sponsors and still have big sponsors. Still have there. huge yeah, sponsors. Snap-on. It's a huge. Yeah, uh, Snap On Tools has been a. I've uh, heard of them. Primary sponsor for Cruz. This is going to be their seventh season as a primary, and we are currently in negotiation for a contract extension. So, it's uh, it's looking good. Joy is like to see continuity and, and keeping. You have to be, because um, all sponsorships are, are tough. That that's another part Absolutely. of my that's another part of my job um, in drag racing. You know, forever the TV package wasn't there. We were on ESPN for. For I think 15 years, and then the last few years, man, you couldn't watch drag racing unless it was like two, three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, NHRA, yeah. I think, made a made a good decision. Uh, bought out the last year of their contract and made the switch to to Fox and Fox Sports One. I think that's that's huge for drag racing. That's huge for us. That's huge for sponsors because it's all about eyeballs, man. Um, ESPN gets a lot of following, but when Fox gives you 20 live races and five of them are on the network station, that's that's huge for any sponsor wanting to get their name out there. Yeah, it's the same with, with all racing or, <clears throat> or all not main sports. It's like, yeah, you can pay ESPN to, to get you in front of eyeballs because people are used to watching ESPN, but they don't really give a shit about IndyCar. They don't give a shit about... True. drag racing or hockey yeah. even anymore and and it's almost like <coughs> you, know, you could you could pay to date the super hot chick mm-hmm. take you you know go to prom with the super hot chick but she doesn't care about being with you or you could have a chick that really really wants you maybe she's like a six or a seven but she's super enthusiastic and is going to do whatever she can to please you yep I think uh it could be another thing other <laughs> than that, but, you know, it's hot. Like, I, I enjoyed watching hockey on on the Versus Network, which is now NBC <clears throat> Sports. Yep. If they were on ESPN, they wouldn't get the time of day. Yeah, absolutely. The same with IndyCar, and, and yeah, Fox, Fox Sports, now with drag racing, yeah, we can actually watch it, and it's not in the middle of the night for drag racing. They yeah. would have those midnight showings and... Oh man, off, those were off day broadcasts that would. How are you supposed to sell sponsors random. on TV time of exactly at two in the morning? Yeah, it, and especially because racing in general is expensive. I can tell you, to run a, a, a nitro funny car. I mean, we're gonna make a. a we run a thousand feet nowadays. We're no longer running the quarter mile. We're not doing the quarter mile anymore. No longer doing the quarter mile after after Scott Coletta's fatal accident. Um, NHRA made the decision that there are some tracks that the shutdown area is too short. Um, think about it. We're we're accelerating zero to a hundred in 0.8 seconds. We're at uh, 280 miles an hour at 660 feet. We're at 335 miles an hour at at a thousand feet. 
So you're you're accelerating so quick and you've got to stop even quicker. So the expense part is to run a full season. You could do it on a million, million and a half. You're not going to qualify. You're not going to go rounds. You're not going to do anything. If you want to be competitive, you have to have a minimum of a three to five million dollar budget. Now, which is still a pretty hefty budget. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. Like for a two car indie car team, it would probably be around with six to eight million a year. Well, a two car like team. I mean, you've got budgets that go a little bit of everywhere, so yeah. there is some fluidity to that and some. Taking Some the coins are... on the very bottom and, and the Penske Ganassi on the top, you're probably, probably I would think, <clears throat> around 5 to 10 mil range in there for two cars. Maybe. I, I don't know. Wrong. They vary quite a bit, so I you know I don't want to put a number on it. But, yeah, you're probably not that far off. How much know. would you say, like, in a, in a race? What, what does a, a typical race cost an IndyCar team? Uh, again, it just kind of... Depends. Uh, I would say j- well, just F- parts. F two thousand, F two thousand. I think I remember a couple of years ago it was like ten thousand bucks, around ten thousand bucks for one for race weekend. weekend. And then lights was probably fifty to a hundred. for yeah, a weekend. Well, and yeah, and you could, you know what? There were there were owners that in the height of the Indy Lights days that you would, you know, or at least in the modern generation of them when we would have those 18 to 22 car fields um you would have you know low budget deals that would go through without having like a a deposit a crash deposit and stuff like that but that was when they actually had prize money absolutely (laughs) and you'd get you know you might take a risk on somebody and run them for 15 20 25,000 for the weekend you'd be on a bare bones you know budget but uh you could get it done a set of tires for any car, just one set of tires, is about twenty five hundred bucks right now, and that's the cheap side. And they go through; they're limited now, but they're probably yeah. around eight eight sets for a weekend, four to eight. But and that's just tires, and then you got yeah. fuel and yeah. I, I, gosh, it's. The costs just continue to skyrocket. It's just a fact of life that sponsorship yeah. is what makes it go round. It's not the uh, prize money. It's that's not where you're getting it. The budgets in. Um, no, it, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely sponsor driven. I, I, I know the uh, the three point nine seconds of fun that we have, as long as nothing goes wrong, is ten grand a pass. And to win a race, you got to make eight passes. Now the payout is only fifty thousand. So, and you got to help with a nitro car. You're hoping nothing breaks, nothing catches on fire. And when you're dealing with that kind of horsepower and that kind of buildup, yeah, there's a lot <coughs> that can anything can happen in those, and you, well, you, you see those breakdowns. I've seen I've often. seen the car uh, go straight like nothing's going to happen and blow the top off. I last year in Vegas we did a two hundred seventy eight mile an hour Big wheelie wheelie that went. Uh, I think a thirty million views on on yeah throughout Landed social. You on the Jim Rome show got us on the Jim Rome you got show. Got a call out. Got a <laughs> got a shout out from Jim Rome, but yeah, it's a uh, sponsorship is man. It's it's everything that we need, and and that's another part of my job that I think is fun is finding sponsors, finding new sponsors to bring to the sport of drag racing because um, grew up a motocross kid, rode dirt bikes, raced with my dad, and that's right. Love Supercross, love those guys, friends with a lot of those guys. And it's like there are some, some sponsors out in the action sports world that don't know drag racing. you got to realize this was like the first action sport. I mean, drag racing has gone back, man, since automobiles were created. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People want to go faster, go quicker. So uh, we've hooked up with a couple new sponsors coming into the sport for the first time, like uh, Rockwell Time. Um, a, a watch company, action sports brand, um, got a got yes, mothers nice got, watches out there. You, get, you sent me the pictures. Yeah, uh, mothers polish. They're uh, they're going to do some big things with us this year. They've actually we were, they were the first drag racing pro- professional drag racing car 
they were on uh, Cruz's car. I brought them in two years ago, and they announced two days ago they're now going to be the official car care sponsor of the NHRA. So that that's kind of cool and exciting. Where do you guys, just talking about the differences, in, in drag racing, where do you, where have you noticed is the more, like, rabid and passionate fan base? Because in IndyCar, Elkhart Lake, Mid-Ohio, Midwest, where the, our roots are, that's where you always see the fans with the Marlboro from yeah. 1995 shirt. Is it, is now, it like the Pomonas and the... I don't know. I think, I think it's more... You could almost say the original tracks, the Pomonas, the English Town, New Jerseys, the Indy, the U.S. Nationals. I mean, that's the crown jewel. That's the crown yeah. jewel. Uh, uh, Gainesville, the Gator Nationals. The original tracks that have been around since, I would say, the 70s to the early 90s. I mean, the fan base for drag racing is is uh, is quite older, and that's another problem that we can get into later about the fan base. But man, you got some hardcore fans that love Nitro that will burn Nitro. Oh, yeah. Guys that stand behind the car when we're warming it up, and you can see them open trash bags to catch the Nitro methane in the trash bags to wrap it up and oh, keep geez. it for later. Now, you talk about, you know, the travel and everything. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you guys are on the road a lot. You NASCAR guys are on the road a lot. And yep. you know, not to say the IndyCar guys aren't on they're the road not. a lot. But they're not. they got 15 races. Compared, compared, to, <laughs> compared to some of the other series, they're, yeah, they're not on the road quite as much. Um, a lot of time on the road, and you guys end up driving most places rather than, yep. than flying. Uh, what's the kind of day-to-day, you know, life like? I mean... Obviously, you do spend time on the road. And now, with races and such, do you guys have to entertain sponsors uh, with hospitality and everything at, at each race? Absolutely. Or? So, kind of like a, a weekend thing for us would be like, depending on how close the race is, we'd leave the shop on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, we have 24 races on our schedule in 18 states, 10 months out of the year. Um our team will do about 75,000 miles driving in the trucks. Mm. Um, myself, Cruz, who's obviously the owner and the driver. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the crew chief and uh, a rotation guy, a fly-in guy, will um, we'll fly if it's over 12 hours, or uh, we'll, me and Cruz will drive to 75% of the races, unless we have like a sponsor thing to do. But um, we'll show up on a Wednesday and, and park the trucks. On Thursday, we'll go out. We'll set up the pit, get the car down, um, get the car passed through tech, do all that stuff. Um, we bring three rigs to the track with us, uh, two 56-foot haulers for the race car and one 53-foot hauler that is basically a kitchen. It's our hospitality trailer. And that's for one... One actual car. This is a, we are, like you, like you were talking about earlier, David and Goliath, we are the David of drag racing. The David with three transporters. With three transporters. <laughs> we, a, we can get into that later. A big David. We can get into that later. But, yeah, I uh, know. I don't, if I ever ask to help you guys again, say no. Yeah. <laughs> so Thursday, we'll do all that, and then, and then Cruz and myself, we'll, uh, we'll leave the track. Um, to engage with our sponsors was with Snap-on. What something we do is we go out with uh, a Snap-on franchisee, um, either hang out in their tool truck and go around and go to the stops that they go to on a regular basis, meet their customers, people who are buying Snap-on tools. Sure, FaceTime. Absolutely, um, it's the face-to-face contact that that sells the sponsorship. Um, that's something that we pride ourselves on. It's it's not just them putting their name on the side of the race car it's making the people that are buying the tools feel like hey they're part of this race team too and and i think us as a crew we we feel that too because we'll have people in hospitality that man they they look at us sometimes like superstars which we're not we're we're just regular people that work on a race car but we want them to feel like hey man you could come over and wrench on this thing if we needed help between rounds 
And that is something drag racing has always done a very good job at is yes. uh, accessibility <clears throat> mm-hmm. and having you know letting people get right up to where you guys are working. The the tear down and rebuild of those cars in between it's, runs, yeah, it's are always phenomenal. crazy. So yeah, that would be that would go into Friday. So Friday we always make two qualifying runs. Um, Friday is a little qualifying is a little uh, I would say relaxed. Um, Fridays make a run. You have about 90 minutes to turn the car around, get it back to the starting line, and make your second run, which is easy to do. Saturday. It's funny when you hear somebody say that that's easy that to you turn gotta around do car it. With you got to do a complete pistons. rebuild of the car. So you're taking out uh, the rods, the pistons, the heads, um, oil pans, taking off the tires, basically stripping it down to the bare chassis and rebuilding it. Saturday, do the same thing. And at the same time, we're entertaining probably between 100 to 300 guests in our hospitality unit. That's full food and beverage. That's crews doing autographs. Um, and then Saturday, we're doing the same thing. Now, Sunday, we got the hospitality going. It's race day. Now, NHRA um, has changed the rules within the last couple of years that on live race days, our turnaround time is now cut down to 55 minutes. What was it? it uh, at one point, it was 75. Oh, mm. 55 minutes now. So think about That's it. That's down an extra 20 minutes. When the, when the final car goes in your session, so as soon as the final funny car goes, the clock starts. Whether you're at the top end of the track or you're already back in the pit. That's when the clock so starts. if you were that last... Pair. That last as pair, soon as you cross the finish line, the clock starts. You have 55 minutes. So my team can get the car back to the pits, stripped, rebuilt, warmed up, and on the ground in 35 minutes. It's a quick turnaround. That's that college Incredible. football precision right there. But you think about it. You, you think of... The pit guys in, in NASCAR, IndyCar, you think of the athlete guys. A lot of the guys are big, strong, bulky guys that don't know a lot about the cars. I have guys on my team. Uh, one guy was a finance and loans banker for 14 years and never worked on a drag car. I've had guys who are just diesel mechanics who come right out of school. I have guys that have worked in the oil fields. I've. It's just your passion all for... All walks of life. All walks of life. You don't have to be an athlete. you got to have a passion for cars. You have to have a passion for winning and, and just wanting to work hard and try to be successful at it. That's what astounded me whenever I hear about the NASCAR crews and what they do and how they have big, strong ex-athletes or guys that just do pits. Mm-hmm. And that's all they do on the team. And they got a separate team that works on the car back there or yeah it's just IndyCar IndyCar was a lot like that from what I hear in the early 90s and 80s where they would have they had lots of different teams like a a whole shop crew that just stayed at home Mm -hmm. and a travel Mm -hmm. crew yeah you'd have your test team you'd have the yeah you had your test teams you had that and over the last decade or two they've had to really learn how to uh, be very efficient with their work with everybody yes which that's what we hear all the time one job you do like five different things. We hear that all the time from fans. It's just like, hey, um, how do you guys you guys just fly in here and, and work on the car and fly home? It's like, no, every guy you see here at the track drives the rigs, drives the tow vehicle, sets up all this pit, sets up the awning, sets up hospitality, puts up all these chairs, works on the car, works on the trailers, works on yeah. the truck, tears it all down, and then drives to the next place. We're, we're like a traveling circus. And really, the shop days are kind of the nice days, at least, you know, that's, you know, <laughs> yeah. because you're working shorter days. You're not working, you know, 12, 14 hours uh, at the track. Yeah. You're, you're, at the you're, track, you, you know, show up at 8. More regimented. It's, you show up at 8 and probably go home about 1. So it's not as glamorous at the track, but it's, you know, everybody's in it, you know, for a reason and, and yeah. get sucked into it. And, and it is. It's something that the people that are involved are passionate about mm-hmm. it and they want they want to be there. And a lot of people on the outside see it and, and be like, yeah, that's my dream, that's my passion, it's what I want to do. But some people don't realize how hard it is. There's a lot they of don't work. realize mm-hmm. the hours that you put in. And I've hired a lot of guys that this is what they want to do and it turned out like this is way too much. We can't stand the, the working 16 straight hours 
every day than the driving, than the setting up. And and for some guys, they just can't take the, the uh, I would say, the mental part of, well, if my part fails, then Cruz's life is in danger part. And that's where I began to have to do more on the car because we had guys that would didn't want to pack parachutes. I mean, you're stopping a car that goes 330 miles an hour. That's kind of important. And your it parachute is. don't come out? You do have to stop. So I started doing parachutes. I've done fuel. I got the guys teaching me. I've helped build racks, some, some rods and pistons. I think every guy on the team has taught me something and continue to teach me something because I think in the future, and a lot of people know this, is I'm trying to become the next driver. And it's important for a driver to know every facet of a race car. There's a lot of guys who just pay their money to sit in the seat and drive the car. And they're either good drivers or they're yeah, they're just rent-a-seat drivers. But uh, over, Fill her up. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. A real professional knows every ounce of his craft and what he's doing. Yeah, I, I can imagine that. And um, one of the things I noticed with, with the IndyCar crews is it's almost like a traveling circus with crews there where – as we said, efficiencies with the crew. A lot of guy, a lot of teams just fire everyone, and like January fifteenth of the next year, everyone starts getting hired at and interviewing at different places. Do you guys, are you guys good at at keeping your crews throughout <clears throat> the whole year, or do you have guys that kind of jump ship and you have guys that jump? Around? You have guys that jump ship for different reasons. I think the big reasons are you got. You got the big teams. You got John Force Racing, who has three funny cars and a dragster. You have Don Schumacher Racing, who has four funny cars and five dragsters. Mm. You have Coletta Motorsports, that has three funny cars and two dragsters. You have us, who have one funny car. So you, you can. You are the David. <clears throat> okay. We are the David. I mean, I'm talking about one underdog team versus all the big dogs. But. Yeah, you have the guys that jump around, um, whether it be for money, because obviously we don't have the the ginormous budgets that these guys have to run all these cars. We have our sponsor and, and crews, and this is Cruz's life. And I don't have to go very far into this, but his his entire life is in this car. He is the owner, he is the driver, um, and he just has given up the, the crew chief role. We just hired a crew chief for the first time because he had tuned his own car for the last five years no, which so, is incredible three men in one so so his money his daughter's inheritance money is all in this and, and Cruz Cruz isn't a millionaire Cruz isn't a billionaire he lives in a, in a small house here in Brownsburg he's what he is different than a lot of other people that drive these cars is he is a racer through and through you cut him he is a driver whether it be go-karts Sprint cars, dirt late models, nostalgia funny cars, top field dragster funny car, whatever it is, he's a driver. Ron Caps was like that, wasn't he? Didn't Ron, Ron Caps is a very good. Uh, I believe he's a good go kart racer. Um, he's Cruz's told Cruz has raced him at Eldora in. Uh, yeah, he got in and he's done some stuff. Wasn't yeah. Caps in the uh, uh, like the IROC? series a couple of times might have been yeah he was in one of those series one of the all-star Ca- series caps and... is a very good all-around racer you could put him in just about anything and he could dominate yeah not taking away from Cruz <clears throat> or nothing but but yeah there's a lot of uh well, Cruz knows what he's good at and that's that's drag racing um sprint cars which we're building a chili bowl car we're gonna get a midget together and race the chili bowl next oh, year. Oh, really? Yeah. That'll be fun. Cruise is cruising the chili bowl. Cruise is racing. It's been six years, but we're going back. What you just had, Christopher Bell, uh, upcoming NASCAR driver, just won that. Christopher that Bell is huge. He is a huge, huge talent. Huge uh, talent. I expect great things from him, uh, representing the open wheel community in uh, in NASCAR. So it's mm-hmm. good to see. I like seeing Kyle, Kyle Larson, some of their likes. Yeah, some mm-hmm. of those guys come up. Yeah. Chili like Bull's a big event. Open wheel talent go to NASCAR. Well, yeah. I like yeah. to see them succeed wherever they are. I, yes. You know, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, sprint yeah. cars, midgets, if they come from those ranks. Yeah. 
wherever they can make it, I'm I'm happy with Rico that. Abreu had a rough chili bowl. He flipped probably three or four times, and uh, and he recently just lost his uh, yeah his I saw that truck ride. That's it sucked. I met unfortunate. I got to meet him in Charlotte, and he's he's a really down to earth guy. Yeah, yeah. It's with racing season gearing up. There's a lot of sports <laughs> that are really taking off. It's it's going to be a good season. Now, when do you guys come? We got preseason testing coming up. We got preseason testing. We're going to Wild Horse Pass in Phoenix. Um, we'll be there February 2nd through the 4th. And then the very next weekend, we kick off the Winter Nationals in Pomona, California, live on Fox. So that's going to be Fox. fun. That's well, a good, those are good places to start the season. Absolutely. We Love start it. the season there and finish the season there uh, 10 months later. It's a grind. It, it is a grind. grind. That's a crazy track because there's like, it's a drag racing track. Like, isn't that kind of like a city complex almost? So it's basically businesses right across the street. It's yeah, it's the L.A. fairgrounds. So it is basically right in the middle of the fairgrounds. There is an airport on the right side of the drag strip. So you will have airplanes that are buzzing the drag strip as it comes down. Now the weird factor is this is one of the shortest tracks on the circuit, and uh, it's downhill. So the elevation change from the starting line to the finish line is 12 feet. Oh, wow. So you can stand almost at the sand trap and not see the finish line mm. or the starting line. So you got to make sure your parachutes are coming out Yeah. quick there. Yeah. And your golf carts are charged because coming back. Which is funny. The last race that I won in 2014 in uh, Englishtown, we won the race. I went down to get crews, me and the crew guys. Went down there, and the golf cart died. Mm. So me and the crew guys had to Always walk <laughs> a quarter mile back to the winner's circle. But we had won, so it's all worth it. Made it, made it a little bit better. Walk. That's cool. Yeah. We, we can walk and just be grateful. We can look <laughs> stupid. We won. Right. Yeah, I, I've walked off the starting line feeling stupid after you lose in the final. That's, that's even yeah. worse. All right. Well, I think this is a good first episode. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up. Um, you know, Caleb, thanks for coming on. Yes, Thank appreciate you. it. Thanks for helping start this out. Thank you guys for having me, and I'm always always down to come on. And yeah, I think later this season we should, you know, yeah, so we'll catch have back, back on, catch up, and see how the season's going and everything. Definitely. Um, you know, next week Josh is going to be down south in Florida, down at the uh, down at the Rolex the race. You got uh, Race of Champions this weekend down in Miami. Race of Champions uh, the in Marlins Miami. Park. Yes. It's a big, big lineup. Lots of IndyCar stars there. Uh, it's uh, become a who's who of uh, of who's running that thing. I mean, you've got Vettel. You've got a lot of good drivers. Uh, you see, the Cool Tart is in is in there as cool a past Tart's champion. Yep, uh, you got your defending five hundred champ uh, Rossi and Scott Speed, Travis Pastrana. Uh, of course, like TK and Hinchcliffe, a lot of guys running. It'll be, uh, be fun to see. Uh, we'll talk about that next time uh, we do an episode. Um, we'll have guests that come on, you know, uh, hopefully fairly regularly. We'll see how that all works out. But uh, we'll recap the 24 hours on our next episode, talk about uh, the race of champions and gear up for the NASCAR season, as well as rehashing what's going on in the open wheel world. So. If you're still listening at this point, all the more power to you. We really appreciate it. And, uh, uh, yes, we're gonna we got our, we're gonna be starting up a Facebook account. We're gonna yeah. be starting up some social media stuff, but we're still getting all that stuff going. But uh, if you guys have anything that you want us to uh, particularly touch on, uh, you can reach us on Twitter at North Forty Report uh, with the numeral four zero. Um, also, North Forty Report on Facebook as well. So. Uh, for this uh, first edition this I'm Jason edition. that's Josh I'd like to thank again Caleb Cox for coming on this is the North 40 Report